The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. This is a new uh, edition, which you're going to probably hear a ton of at Healing the City, and that is Pastor Michael Kuzno, Pastor Mark Crawford, and Pastor Eric Siepen talking about things like discipleship, healing the city, gender, whatever is on our mind. It's kind of like the, I don't know, state of the village every week or something, or Here's your the state of the union st- weekly weekly state, <laughs> of, the weekly union, state of the union or what's what do we want to talk about so today uh, since we didn't have a lot of prep time and I sent you some subjects we're gonna just kind of have a little conversation about healing and our phrase healing the city one person at a time one person at a time and what do we mean when we say healing because I think in our culture that means a lot of things. Right. It, it it could, I mean, it could mean getting good therapy and being, you know. No, there's, there's book after book after book about healing. Yes. Healing from and trauma. Well, and you, you run the gamut of like healing through prayer to healing through other things to healing through, you know, just physical healing, yeah. going to the doctor, going to, you know, uh, whatever. There's, there's a lot of different ways to get healed. Yeah. So how will we define healing at the village? What do you think we would say if we began a conversation about that? It would be meeting Jesus would be the primary means of healing. And then the way that you're healed is the way that God sees it fit to bring you closer to his intention for you, his original intention for you as a human being, but also your you in particular what your purpose is in the kingdom of God. So it's drawing you further into that and all the outgrowths of enacting that. So that might be physical, right? You might see some physical healing, healing. right? Like you might see ways that your body is more in line with the way it should be. Right. But I don't think that's a, a lot of our focus. I mean, that's certainly a focus, right, right. but it's not the thing that we're looking towards primarily. Um, we love it when people are healed of their physical ailments and we ask for it from God. But it's also not like if that doesn't happen, we're like, oh, we're failing. It's like, no, 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 no. That's a, we're looking towards what Jesus's goals are for our church and for our people and um a lot of times that has to do more with uh, spiritual realities than it does purely physical ones. Right. Right. And, and I think we would probably argue that first, like you said, that Jesus meeting Jesus is the beginning to he- of healing. It right? is. And then as you, the outworkings of that, and we would say that it is like all of us. It's not just my mind meeting Jesus. It's my mind, my heart, my soul, my body. It's like yeah. the whole part of me, all of me, I mean, not part of me, is, is meeting Jesus. Um, so we connect all those. We connect those things a lot, how we think, how I, we feel. I sometimes think about it a little bit like you're taking one of those painting classes where the teacher's up in front with 
with the thing and then you have your own board and you're trying to do what the teacher does on the you know like the big classes mm-hmm. and uh so you're you're painting and as you're painting you're learning more about brush strokes and you're learning more about the different kinds of brushes to use and the paints and how to mix paints and how to shade and and do all of these different things as you go through and you're painting this picture and some of it's about learning to paint the picture like the teacher paints the picture Mm -hmm. and some of it's about learning to hold the brush and learning to use the brush and learning to use the paint and mixing the paint it's all of the different things that draw you more and more in line with the teacher um, so it's not about the perfection of the picture, but about the learning and the growth that happens towards something, um, towards Jesus and being aligned with him. I like that. That's really good. So maybe uh, we could talk a little bit about how we at the village have experienced healing and then how we see that um, being made available to the city, right? Because it's healing the city. Um, and what do we mean by the city? Um. On the city, the city piece of it is really important because we've talked a lot about Jeremiah 29 and the idea of planting ourselves in the city, that we're not looking to leave. We're not looking. There's a certain amount of discontentedness that comes with our culture of like we move more than any point in human history um, outside of like massive migrations because of like sickness or famine or whatever like as like we as a people around the world we move more than any point in history farther away from where we were and there's a discontentedness that comes along with well I am here and I'm going to look around and see all the things that are wrong with what's around me and what we're invited to is to plant ourselves to not try to leave, to try to seek the good of the city, like it says in Jeremiah 29. Um, And so bringing the healing into the city, into where we are in our context, rather than trying to go somewhere else to find something for ourselves, um, I think is really a a key part of the idea of healing the city 1% of the time. It's the piece that we kind of jump over sometimes. That Oh, yeah, the city, that's like whatever. But it's a really pivotal part of that phrase yeah yeah Yeah, uh there is i definitely i definitely feel that and i observe that and i talk with a lot of people who i'm friends with about what they're up to the kind of job they're seeking after the kind of like political alignment that they're seeking um the kind of laws that they feel like they should be under um and these are all reasons why they go continually like looking for El Dorado, you know, right. You're looking for utopia and it exists somewhere. And depending on your politics nearby San Francisco or somewhere in Texas or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right? right. Um, or Sweden. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. I mean, you just expand the, the list or the, sure. or the purview out and, and people are looking for that perfect place when they physically arrive there, everything will come together and they'll be healed. Whereas we're thinking, no, you have to meet Jesus for healing to happen, really. Yeah. You're not going to find it by moving locations. Yeah. And so we might as well stay here, as bad as it is in some ways. Right. 
or as good as it is. It's getting pretty nice right now. Right, I know, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not we're not claiming that Tucson is the ideal place right, to have right. a church. But it is a place that needs a church. Yeah. We're committed to being here. Right. And we're committed to meeting Jesus here and offering what he offers to those around us. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things when we talk about healing that's in that context of being stuck in a space, committed to a space, is that you have to deal with people. And you have to deal with the same people and then additions to that as people come. And uh, so you have to deal with yourself a lot. Yes. So I think one of the things... You don't get to run away. No, you don't. And I think that's important because one of the things of meeting Jesus with a group of people is you're stuck with Jesus if that group of people is committed to Jesus. Like, you don't get to run away. People are going to keep pushing you up to Jesus to to sort to be transformed and, and to deal with their idiosyncrasies and yours combined together and your sin. Um, I was struck, uh, uh, Michael, by your sermon. I told you this, but... You're, you're, you know, the, you were talking about the 7 billion people. And if each one of those people were given your rule about lying, which in your sermon was, you know, you do tell the truth unless the consequences are so severe that you can't handle them. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you give that to uh, everyone, then you have 7 billion liars. Yes. Well, those, and you know, at the village, that means 150 of those liars are together. Yes. Um, and we're inviting lying to each other, lying to each other and inviting <laughs> other liars uh, to be part of the right. community. Yeah. Um, Welcome but, to community. But I think the fascinating <laughs> thing is when you meet Jesus and you be, take on his rules and are empowered by his grace, which I'm excited to talk about in two weeks in Romans. Yeah. Um, uh, like and, uh, Sue's already got, you know, our title I think is going to be called Grace is Going Somewhere. Nice. So very I'm nice. very excited about that. Um, but it is all of a sudden you have the 150 people who aren't lying as much and they're transformed to be like Jesus. So the the problems that happen when you have 150 liars who lie less is that there's actually healing that happens because truth is infiltrating the community through grace and through relationship with Jesus. So that's, I've seen that happen in my life because you, it's almost a, a regular thing every day where you have to deal with your own deception and the invitation to like, ex, you know, experience the forgiveness from Jesus, but also to not be deceptive, but to be truthful. Even that simple concept of the invitation to be truthful, no matter the consequence is is powerful i think yeah extremely yeah so can we talk a little bit about some of the ways that that happens in community sure some Let's of the do ways that, that we re sort of realign ourselves toward towards jesus in yeah. community yeah yeah um, so the first one i think the most obvious one would be the sunday service sure the the liturgy of the sunday service of of walking in and being with people and confessing and um, reading scripture and singing and listening to someone teach you um, about the word. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have our pilgrim groups. Yeah. We have um, some one-on-one -on -one discipleship that happens. Um, but it's all built around relationship. It's all built around coming together and, and walking alongside one another. Yeah. Well, I think one of the powerful things to me, and I don't know if people in the village really grasp this fully, but I grew up in the church, and a sermon, for the most part, was a teaching. And that teaching was an instruction 
on how I should or shouldn't do things or what this particular passage meant. In fact, in my background, it was more about what it meant, what the deeper theological ideas were. This is how you should understand this passage. I never grew up thinking this pastor here is telling a story of a community together and what it's doing. And all of us are to take it and bring it into our narrative together and talk about it and engage it and have it as an informative uh, narrator alongside us telling our own story. And so it, it becomes so much ingrained into like the, uh, the ethos of the, of the church itself, instead of just, Oh, I went to class and we sang some songs. I went and my story was retold a little bit and I was reoriented and I take that reorientation and I talk to Mark about that reorientation. And I talk to my neighbor about the reorientation because I've been reoriented. And I think that's, I mean, that's what I've always longed for at the village. And I experience it now 20 years in when people speak, when I speak, like there's a reorienting that's happening in our community every time they come in. And I think that's a healing process. And we think about our preaching that way. We talk about it that way. We're reorienting our community towards Jesus. That's how it works out in my life anyway. Yeah. I think um, telling a different story that's actually livable is hugely healing. I think many of the stories that we live in are not livable for us. I like that. And so when we tell the story of the gospel, we tell the good news of Jesus, we're telling a story that is healing because it's a living, it's a story that humans like us uh, live better in. Yes. I like that. That's really good. We should just. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, we're done. Podcast (laughs) over. Podcast over. (laughs) I mean, I think it's it's so true. I, I think, and I think we try hard to do that. And and it's not just in our speaking, it's in our music, it's when we sit across the table and eat. Um, so many conversa- conversations I have with people is a concern about caring for one another. Like that is a big part of what's happening yep. in our community. Um, or your frustration with someone is being talked about, but it's not being talked about, I mean, sometimes it's gossipy but most of the time it's like i need to deal with this this is not aligned under jesus and Mm -hmm. i'm struggling i think that's a big part of things at the table on at our table on sunday i think it was sunday evening um we talked about the idea of so of repentance which you talked about michael in your sermon um and we reflected back on our easter people series from I think two years ago. Ah, uh, yes, the superheroes. The superheroes. The Easter people, yes. That we have superpowers to, I believe it was confess, repent, and obey. Hmm. And that the the thing that was so helpful in that, uh, that came up in that conversation to me was the idea of the actual visualization of confession is saying, I am going in a direction. Repentance is turning around. And obedience is taking a step in the other direction. So there's actually like an acknowledgement, a turning, and a step forward. Um, and that idea of like, sometimes, often what we're doing is we're confessing. We come on Sunday, we confess. And what we're doing is we're walking down the road and we're kind of shouting over our sh- shoulder going, yeah, I'm going this way. 
I'm going this way, that's where I'm going, but we're not actually stepping into that repentance and that obedience. And some of what happens in community when we enter into healing the city one person at a time is someone comes alongside you and says, you keep saying you're going this direction and you should stop. Yeah. And you should you should actually turn around and realign yourself with Christ. Um, but that, that yeah, anyway, I just right. like that picture. Yeah, it's a, it's a great picture. I do want to say that my sermon was intentionally um, incomplete and how yes, that it, might be done. Yeah. Um, because that's where Romans chapter one and two leaves it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and Mark has the beautiful, beautiful like picture of salvation that he yes. will be telling us about. So yes. I'm excited about Romans that. Romans 3, 23 and 24 are just the perfect encapsulation of the gospel. So yeah. I, I am curious to see if anyone tries to repent on their own, in their own power in the next week <laughs> <laughs> and realizes that's not, that's not going to work. Yeah. But that's kind of the John the Baptist yeah. instruction before Jesus arrives, right? This is true. This is true. Yes. So, you, you did link it to, uh, to communion to help a little bit with that. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I spoiled this, you know, we spoilers. Do, so we have, yeah. We have, we have Michael's sermon on, um, we are all sinners and then we have a preview of my sermon on righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then grace is going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's very exciting. That's next few weeks. And then we actually drop back into, I think we're separated from Christ. <laughs> what yes. actually separates us from Christ. It's okay. Yeah. What you call the spiral argument. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. We'll revisit this again and again. Just like we're revisiting healing. Yeah. Again and, and again. again. And what it really means. Well, and that, that's the thing is like, you know, my son, he constantly has a bruise on his forehead, <laughs> like just constantly all the time. Like he runs around and bangs his head and falls down and cries a little bit and I give him a big hug and then I set him down and he runs around, he bangs his head again. Like he just constantly has a bruise on his forehead and that's kind of what we're like. We run around, we hit our heads, we go, ah, that hurt. And we experience some healing for a bit, and then we get down, and then we, and we run around, again. and we do it again. Like, we yeah. just constantly have bruises on our forehead. Children are good examples for us. Yes. Maybe we could kind of wrap things up by chatting a little bit more about the the city and the one person. Because I feel like there's been a move in our church of late, maybe over the last year, um, and it's been slow, but it's really anchoring ourselves in our neighborhoods. And some cool stories have begun to emerge Mm -hmm. from neighborhoods because of this and because of the prayer. So, because we're not insular, I mean, we don't, we want people to come in. Um, How does a community that's focused on healing the city, one person at a time, focused on bringing people to Jesus, engage the culture, engage their neighbors, engage people? Like, what does that look like? What are, what do you think are some, essential elements to helping you be a person who's both facing outward and inward, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing we can do is just describe what we're attempting. Yeah. Because what we're attempting to do is meet together in geographically focused, like physically focused groups within our church to specifically pray for our physical surroundings and the people that inhabit them. Right. So we're, we're praying for our, literal physical neighbors with our literal physical neighbors who also belong to this church um, for their good 
and transformation and healing. So we're doing that one person at a time because we're focused on individuals. We're not focused on, for example, electing certain people to the city council or right. something like that. Right. Um, so it's a different, a different strategy for healing that we're committed to as a church. Right. Um, so we want one particular person that lives nearby us to come to see Jesus in his fullness yeah. and experience him, meet him, and then begin to be transformed by him. Right. And we're praying for that. And then we're taking some concrete actions to host parties or barbecues or um, clean up trash in the nearby areas. Or engage in schools near our, our neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Or in the parks. But we're to the nearby parks. But we're not necessarily trying to transform systems. Right. And I think that's important. Right. I mean, if that happens along the way, cool. Yes. But the focus is on people. Right. People as individuals. So if you if you go back a few weeks of in episodes, a few, I think it might be months now, in episodes, you can find the episode where we talked about the front porch prayer. Mm-hmm. And there was this idea that I actually had a couple conversations with people about that in the prayer, I forget exactly what it says, but you're you're praying for the good of the people around you. You're praying that they would prosper and and be like have everything that they need. Um, and there's this idea of like, well, like if I'm praying that they have everything that they need, then they won't need Jesus or whatever. Like there's this, <laughs> I there, pray that I've their life would this, be miserable. Yeah. No, I, therefore they will find Jesus. I don't think it was stated that specifically, yes. but there was, there's this yeah, idea no. of like, well, people need to be in need to find Jesus, which is true, but also we're invited by, so Jeremiah 29 to go back to that says also seek the pros- peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. There's this idea that we are not just called to like, we're, we're not called to like pray that our neighbor would move away because we don't like that sometimes they leave trash out. Right. Like we're called to pray for them and to take their recycling bin out for them. Right. Like, well, and I also think because we are people of, we are exiles, but also we're people of the kingdom. So we're not just passing through. Yeah. We're bringing the kingdom to bear in a place where we're, where it hasn't been acknowledged mm-hmm. basically, which mm-hmm. means that my neighbor will prosper when I engage with them and bring the prosperity of the spirit, which mm-hmm. is the full richness of the kingdom. So that's, that's part of like me praying for their prosperity means that I'm going to be compelled to engage them. Yeah and compelled to care for them so and to receive their care i mean i think that's an important part of things yeah. and to to in- incorporate them um yeah I, I think for me the one person is just very important because we can get wrapped up in in changing systems or helping lots and lots of people and forget that there are these there are narratives of suffering that when you that our neighbors are going through I mean, we want to pray for prosperity because most people have internal or external suffering going on, even if they don't know about it. <laughs> and and we want to be in those stories because that's where Jesus shows up, and we want to find Jesus and 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 introduce them to Jesus where he's at in their life. And mm. I think that's a big thing about healing is is we are it changed my perspective. I'm not really telling my story. I'm I'm asking the question: Where's Jesus? 
in Michael's life? Where's Jesus in my neighbor's life? What's he doing? How do I join him? There's this assumption that he's active and and doing stuff. And I think that was really helpful for me. And I keep, I keep asking, what is God doing with his house across the street from me? Because it's been empty now for like nine months and it's still up for sale. And I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's going to sell even now. What are you doing, God? Maybe you need to buy it. Mark. Maybe I just, I mean, you know, it just with all of, all of the, all of the spare cash I have. Yeah, around. Was, Big time pastor's money. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you got a bunch of Michigan connections. Uh, sure, I can, I can make, pull, make a few phone make calls. Make a few phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But that idea of like, am I, am I curious about what God is doing in my neighborhood in the house across the street in the life of my neighbor in um, the park that's around the corner. Like, am I curious about what God is doing about what Jesus is doing in the lives of the people around me? Yeah. And am I willing to engage with it? Yeah. Well, and I also think about healing kind of in a medical sense, not in people have physical ailments that they do that we pray over. And that is medical. But when I worked in the hospital, you know, there are a lot of crisis moments and you would walk in a room or you walk in a, a, you know, an emergency room and you had to make a choice. You have to make a choice fast. And it's really a choice to adjust your brain to crisis mode and to go in. Okay. I'm going to do this. Take a deep breath. We're in. And I feel like that a lot in, in living in a healing community is sometimes coming to church or going to our pilgrim groups or praying for my neighbors or engaging my neighbors is a, all right, I'm in. Like, I have this choice to say, am I in or out on this yeah. Jesus thing? <laughs> well, this, am I going to be present? I think it's like the first or second episode of Scrubs uh, where he they, they're, they like, talking about coding. Like, you get, like, a, someone's yeah, coding, and you get, yeah. your, you get your notification that says, like, oh, you need to, you know, the first doctor there is the one who's in charge and stuff. And so he, like, gets a code, and he's running, and he like runs into a closet <laughs> and he walks into the closet and there's another medical intern in the closet already <laughs> hiding. <laughs> and that's what it feels like sometimes when you're in community, you're running along, you're going, there's a closet right there. I can just hide and not keep running. Yeah, it's true. But Jesus invites us to, to keep running and to care for people. Yeah. But you don't you don't need to be the one the doctor in charge because Jesus right. is already there. Yes, and we I think we forget that. I think yeah. that's the the thing is we forget that Jesus is already in charge. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Well, I I don't have any other thoughts on this. Does any, do you guys have any wrap up thoughts on on healing the city? No, we'll revisit well, this again. I'm sure. Yeah, well, yeah. But this is good talk, good yeah. times. Welcome to uh, the healing the city pastor edition. The Pastor's Trio. The Pastor's Trio. Now maybe that's what we'll call it. Pastoral Or the Pastor's Three. The Pastor's <laughs> Three. <laughs> welcome, Pastor Michael. Yeah, welcome, Pastor Michael. I guess, you know, when I get Pastor Susan right now is admitting people into the U of A. So. Oh, yeah. yeah at this very moment. It's true. <laughs> it may be uh, a group of four from time to time. Yeah, from time to time. She's going to do a podcast on forgiveness here soon. So cool. We just did one on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, attachments, different kinds of attachment styles. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm excited. There's a lot of content coming. Other focuses of healing. Yes. Other focuses of healing. All right. Thanks guys. Uh, if you want to email us, you can at healing the city 
at gmail.com. Nice. We will read it. 